to Maranatha Christian Assembly Podcast, where we bring you the Word of God wherever you are. We pray that you be blessed by God's Word this week. Let's commit this time to the Lord. What a joy to join our hearts and our voices to praise you, O God, to declare your glory. What a great God you are and what a privilege to be part of your people. But now, Lord, we want to worship you with our listening, with what you have to teach us, that we may grow in wisdom as we seek to follow you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think the biggest uh, evangelistic event for the Singapore church in recent times was the celebration of hope. Did you all take part in that? Celebration of hope? No? Okay. It's, it's okay. <laughs> because in our research with young and old, we find that many young and older folks had a different take on the celebration of hope. No? They, they hired the stadium, the stadium was full, the speaker from overseas. And many of the young people that we talked to said, is this the best way to spend money? Because thousands of dollars spent to rent the, the stadium, you know, to get all the PA systems in place and all that. Because these younger people will see there are many needs uh, both in Singapore and overseas. So all that thousands of dollars, huh? is it better spent even shedding the gospel or helping the poor, even in Singapore and definitely in many parts of the world who are suffering. So you want to do evangelism this way. Eh? Is it celebration of hope or celebration of yourself? Wow, Christians so rich eh, can rent the stadium, eh, you know, and so many of us are, eh, wow, natural. So, many. so is it, what is the optics, what is the signal here eh, that uh, Jesus loves you or we are clever and rich? So... I'm glad the bishop is not here. Anyway, okay. Uh, yeah, so there was this response by, by the young. Uh, not all, but some of them. But the older folks, which includes me, uh, they were people who had seen the Billy Graham crusade. Okay, anybody here has, was there at the Billy Graham crusade? I know your age. And I mind. Uh, uh, and... If you were not there, you don't realize what a game changer the Billy Graham crusade was. After that, many people came to know the Lord. Maybe some of you or some of your friends. I think I was in third year uni or what. Now you know how old I am. So that was a, a great event and you can clearly see a before after, you know. After the Billy Graham crusade, the number of Christians jumped up. New churches, new parachurch groups were formed. There was a great revival in the land. So the older folks, they're not trying to show off their money or what, because they remember how God worked mightily in that way. This kind of crusade kind of uh, evangelism. And they love the country and they wanted God to do a new work in the country. So it's not that they are trying to show off. They're they just so burdened for Singapore. They want God to work mightily again. And then they remember, oh, last time, stadium. You know, people. So they were doing this out of a love for Singapore. But I'm just sharing this as an example, how... Young and old, because of their different experience, can view something differently. Then the young can say, why the old want to show off stadium? 
And the old can say why the young bochap don't care about evangelism, don't care about church unity, can lead to conflict. Eh? Because young and old view things differently. There's a group of young adults who spend the whole day, Saturday, cleaning up the beach in Changi. They clean up the beach, all the, all the dirt and all the rubbish. And they reported this back to their elders. And they thought the elders would say, wow, whole day you all work so hard in the sun. Ah, quiet, good boy. You know? That's what they thought would happen. But when they reported back to the elders, the elders look at them, you all spend so much time on this. Ah. How many souls were saved? What? what? I thought they would be praised for being this people who take care of the environment. Instead, they found that in terms of mission of the church, there's a, a big difference. For those who are older, including me, the concern was to save souls. If you don't hear gospel and accept Christ, you go to hell. Lah. So don't play, play. That's the primary call. But for the young who now on internet see so much brokenness in the world, the damage of uh, climate change, uh, the poverty in the world, they, they see the mission of Christians as broader than just evangelism. So you see again, there's this clash. I say, eh, how come the young not concerned for souls? One? And then the young will say, there's so much need in the world while you're only thinking of saving people go heaven when they die. Before they die, how? Huh? They have to live how many years on the earth before they die? Kind of thing. You all will remember those days, right? Evangelistic sermon like that one. If you die tonight, huh? <laughs> you know where you go or not. Okay. If you go outside, let the car bang you. Huh? You know where you go or not. Then there'll be a picture of nice white clouds, got gate, a few angels all waiting. No? Then down there, got fire. Then there'll be some red-coloured demons. Or I don't know why red, I don't know. And then carry peach fork. Or that. So you choose, choose. So say, okay, of course I want to go to the right place when I die. No? So you must sign a contract. The contract is sinner's prayer. Oh, I need him. I already count him. So anything happened to me, if I happen to die, then I poop, I know where to go. But most people don't die that night. Lah. People will maybe live for 30, 40 years more. But the whole focus is what happens when you die. Not much on our Christian responsibilities when we are still alive. How about sharing the gospel, helping the poor, helping to make sure our environment is conducive for life. So, so there's this clash again between the generations. So the, the shock of the young adults who work so hard to clean the beach. Eh? They, instead of being uh, applauded, eh, they got almost scolded. Because they do all this, but never save any soul. You know? So, these are just two examples of many examples of how we are uh, looking at a time in history, point number one, uh, a special time in history. Uh, the next, ah, a special time in history. There are at least five, uh, six generations. Lah. So, number one, the silent generation is my parents' generation. They call silent because they are too busy surviving. World War II, economic downturn. Quite jealous. We don't, we don't understand. I, I don't understand directly what my parents went through. They suffered so much. So they are silent because they are too busy surviving. If they, didn't, they, didn't, they don't survive, we won't be here. Then after the war was over, then got time to make baby. So baby boomer. War time are hard to make baby. Huh? So after war, then can make baby. Baby boomer, until recently, was the largest generation. Born 46 to 64, my generation. Yeah. Then Generation X is like an in-between generation, quite a small generation numerically. They're squeezed between two very loud generations. Boomer, millennial, very pushy one. But Gen X, very quiet, quiet one. Quiet. If they don't agree with you, they won't fight, they quietly slip away. But Gen X, I want to tell you, if you are here, uh, studies have shown that Gen X actually make very good leaders nowadays. You know? 
You know why? Because they can build bridge up and down. They know enough of the culture of the boomer to connect with them. And they are also beginning to be tech-savvy so they can connect with millennials and younger as well. So, uh, if any Gen X here... Hey, Pastor, what, what Gen are you? Ah! You chummy lunch after... Gen X make good leaders. And churches and institutions which have trusted Gen X are doing fairly well. Because all things been equal, of course, but yeah. Millennials born 81 to 96. This is... Uh, First generation that grew up with computer one. All boomer and maybe even Gen X remembered the day when we bought our first computer. There is such a day. The box came, you open up, you attach, attach, and then scared that you press the wrong button, the computer explode. So I remember it was a gateway computer, first one. But millennials will be born with the internet. So they know how big the world is. And because they are not obsessed with survival, because their time actually free of major challenges until COVID. Lah. They were free of major challenges. So they are not obsessed with survival. They're willing to experiment, to try things or that. Willing to experience things which may not even contribute to the bottom line. They've got things like gap year. Apa ni gap year? No? Well, one year don't, don't work. Ah. One year don't. Parents must support. Ah. I don't know what. So many, uh, but that, that's the point. You see, they're not obsessed with survival. They want to experience life. They know that the internet is a global world. It's a world with many things. Of course, they want to get to know the world better. Gen Z or Z, if you're British or American, born 97, 2012, will be in uni, poly, fresh grads maybe. And they are probably the first generation that lived their whole life on the phone. They don't just use the phone, huh? they live their life. Huh? They buy things, they communicate with people, they learn, entertain, long chong, all on the phone. And again, none of us choose what generation to be born, so we are not criticizing anyone. But interestingly, in recent studies, I've found that many Gen Zs have complained about mental struggles, about depression, even suicide. I hear this from people working with them. I say, ah, Gen Z lonely. Ah. They've got 1,000 friends on Insta. Why are they lonely? I mean, but maybe connecting virtually and connecting physically, both young, not the same. I do not know. So the silent baby boomer generation, our culture is different because my parents suffered so much. My father was caught in the bombing raid that he almost got crushed to death. So that generation who has survived the war are very concerned for security, safety, stability, understandably. If we don't know what they suffered now, we don't understand why they're so kanchong about stability, must save money, because they all suffered like crazy. So we didn't suffer, but they pushed their values on us. These are values they acquired because of the war. Now they want their children not to suffer. So you uh, must work hard first, huh? must save enough money, then you know, must buy your own house, number one, buy your own flat because they, had, they were chased from place to place because of the war. So they want security, your own home, all that. These are very big things. And Gen X is between, but the millennials, like I said, and even younger, they are not obsessed with security. Maybe Gen Z will be affected by COVID to some degree and they might be swinging back to a bit more cautious, especially where work is concerned. But... Again, they are not obsessed with survival because life is okay. But life was good. There were so many choices. They had the freedom to make choices. So the different generations come up with different cultural differences because of the formative experiences they went through, because of what they went through or what their parents went through. Both young and different. If we don't understand this, then we end up clashing because we don't understand what is inside us. You know? So uh, like... Uh, Hey, you leave the room, you leave the light on. Uh. Turn off the light. Eh. You waste money. 
Then, oh, chill, uh, damn, just going toilet five minutes only. What, what is the big deal? Just going toilet five minutes and turn off lunch. No, oh, you know, you leave the tap running. What the, you know how many? No, no, no. Finish every food on your plate. Uh. Finish every food. I'm so full already. I eat all the plate, I get fat. How? I mean, it doesn't help the people in Africa if I get fat. I eat all the food, I get fat. It don't help the people in Africa. That, I mean, I just, so, different values. Uh. You must understand the values behind all these comments. So, just let me do a quick poll. Huh? I see you're, you're, look, choose what generation you're in and you're not embarrassed. All those in silent, born 28 to 45, put your hand. Anybody born here 28 to 45? Maybe I say 28 to 45? Well, maybe in the Chinese service, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> these are treasures, okay? They survive horrendous things. They survive horrendous Okay, boomer, lie, 46-64. Yeah, man. Hallelujah. And because of good health care, we're not dying anytime soon. <laughs> Young people, sorry, we're going to be around. Last time, 50-60, already was so old. Now, I'm sorry, we're going to be here 80-90. You're going to be around for a while. And therefore, we must know how to live together. Because we're not going to escape. We cannot go away to heaven so soon. Gen X, born 65 to 80. Wow, so many good leaders here. Wow. Praise the Lord, because you all can build bridge up and down. With the old and your... Millennials, 81 to 96. So few, are. where are they? They have gone to Redemption Hill or what? Where the millennials? Redemption Hill, crossing... Okay, I am. Uh, Heart of God. Okay. <laughs> uh, is that where all the... Okay, Gen Z, born 97 to 2012. All right. The church got a small future. I mean, got future. <laughs> got future. <laughs> Actually, I, I rejoice. I tell you, the early church, uh, early church was 40, 50 people in the room. Uh, long, long generation in the same room. Uh, there was no special young adult worship. But, you know, the early church was meeting in the house. Huh? So all generate, they don't even think generate, all, all, everybody poop in the same room. Huh? They had to function intergenerationally in the early church. Well, like today, all of us are worshipping together. I think, and I thought the worship team quite mixed, right? A bit young, some bit older. Well, that, that's also a nice representation of intergen. But point number two, there is, of course, the danger of the crisis of unity. We can move to point number two. Ah, thank you. But because of this, there is a climax that comes when we see that there's a clash of culture. So I mentioned a few at the beginning. There's one also like how we view leaders. The older generation tend to respect uh, seniority. Oh, he has been a pastor for 40 years. Uh, no, respect, respect, and we listen to them. Younger people don't care about Seniority, they can about competency. I don't care if 40 years or not, but you can't preach one, man. So, because in the marketplace, we talk about competency, right? They don't care about age as much as in the church. So, potential crisis again. And often I will tell the old, older, I will say old, older people that there's some virtue in when the young look for competency because we're supposed to serve according to the area of our gifting, right? So there's some validity whether you can do the job or not. 
But to the young people, I say competency is only one characteristic of leadership. The other is maturity in character. That one, I cannot find easy, easy one. You got to, that have to be around for a while. You see whether they are mature or not. So that one, no rush. Cannot rush. Because huh? in the church, we look for mature people, not just competent people. So I will have these conversations with young and old. Part of my role now seems to be a bridge builder between young and old. I said, I understand and you're valid in thinking like this, but what about this? And, and helping the young and old talk to each other. This is our goal, the intergen. The young and old learn from each other. So there is a crisis of unity. Usually there's a big, the, the two cultures that fight the most are millennial and boomer. Because both are very pushy generations. So the millennial and boomer fight, fight, fight. They're normally fight, fight, fight. Already then millennial cannot tahan, they go to churches I cannot mention anymore. So because the boomers still have power, they're still the elders, they're still the leaders. So there's a clash between millennials and boomer. Normally, la, the millennials were child. Because they find that they, they are not understood, their concerns are not respected. The boomers have eaten more salt. So you eat too much salt, you get hypertension. So. <laughs> anyway, there's always this tension and then, then, then we lose millennials. So when, we, when we first started the Generations Project, because many churches came to us and told us that they were losing their young people. So we began to discern how to minister to young people. Then after a while, I said, the old need to understand the young, but hey, actually young also need to understand the old. Ma. How our parents suffered so much in the war. That you should know that. Nah. Cut your parents some slack. Nah. I mean, they are like that because of what they went through. You know, all of us are shaped by our history. We don't choose the history we are, that we are born in. Nah. So the crisis of unity, and I pray, because I want, it's so easy to have a church all the same generation. It's very easy. Some churches are like that, and they seem to be growing very fast. Oh, this church are all young people. Boom, they grow very fast. But my concern is, and well, I'm glad the young people are somewhere. I'm glad. But I say, uh, hey, hello, young people. You won't remain young forever. Eh? One day you become old people. Then you never learn how to relate to those of other generations. Uh. Then your children come out. They're different, different generation from you. Then how? So you, they won't remain young forever, right? <laughs> Nobody remains young forever. One day they will be our equivalent or boomer or what. Then maybe their children have different formative experiences. But they don't know how to relate to people of different generations because it's always been the mono-generational church. So like I said, I, I don't want to knock this kind of churches. I'm glad that they're reaching out and people have been blessed. But if God's uh, vision is for intergen, then all of us can work at understanding each other. I think that is God's will that we all love and, and, and help each other rather than just uh, you know, go your own way. I, I don't think this is good. So let me now quickly go through some biblical. Number three, God has called us to unity. If you want to look at the church, which is very divided, uh, it's the church at Corinth. I don't care how good your pastor is, I don't care. Even if he's a pastor of the church, Corinth, show heart attack. It's that, that divided the church. Jew and Gentile, different races. The Jew, we are the people of the book, eh? Then the Gentile, these stupid people, only farmer, only, only fisherman. We are Plato, la, Socrates, la, we are smarter than them. And now they have to be in the same church, la, equal. E, wash each other's feet. Eh, no, so, there, yeah. so, wow, big fight between the races, man, in, in Corinth. Then rich and poor, sure, five one, huh? rich and poor. So they got their fellowship, makan, huh? all the rich people, rich people got more control over their time, so they come early. Oh, and the whole sapu, they wear makan, then the poor people, the slaves, can only come when their master allow them to come. We are poor, we have less control over our life. Maybe the masters came early, I don't know. Then they come later, really hungry, 
they really need the food. Food boleh, gone. So the poor people say, you say that in the church is different from the world. In the world, richer people more important than poorer people. You say the church is different, but when you come in the church, same word. Then Paul said, hey, hello, uh, rich people, you hungry, huh? you go home and eat first, okay? Go and eat first. Then you come, then we eat equally as brother and sister. So these are all major conflict. You can imagine the kind of anger if there's no one to talk about these things. Or different people got different hero. My hero is Paul. Uh, he's so intelligent. Uh. My hero, Peter, the one of the first apostles. Uh, yeah, Apollos, uh, he's preaching like that, uh, Apollos. Then there's a fourth group. Uh, uh, yeah, you're also immature. We are the most mature because our hero is Jesus. Uh. We are more mature than you all. Uh. <laughs> so, so such a divided church, Paul has to make three points. Number one is God has called us to unity. Number three. You look at all this divided, and for us, maybe division in generations, let's say. You look at this division. You tell the world uh, there's only one God and one mediator between God and man. Only one God. But you're also fighting each other as though you've got different God like that. Does the Jew have one God? Gentile, another God? Poor, one God? Because when you fight, because you say the God in you and God in me siang, same. How can we be fighting? No, it, it makes a lie of the gospel. Telling the world there's only one God and one mediator be God and man, you also fight among yourself all the time. People say, oh, really one God? How come you all fight one? Maybe one God for Gentile, one God for Jew. So there are gospel implications. I think the modern church doesn't take unity so seriously anymore. But it must be unity based on the word. Not just everybody shut up, but it's a unity based on the word. But nevertheless, I don't know what your church experience of unity is, but it's something that we must take seriously. Of course, sometimes things happen, just split for all sorts of reasons. That, but I'm just saying that we must try, man. We must try because Paul says that we are all like different parts, but one body, leh? one body, one heart, Jesus, one body. But if you fight, 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 not the, the hand, whack the head, they, they kick themselves. It means there are many gods like that. What are you talking about? So please take unity seriously. And Paul is speaking to a church which is very divided. He still called them brother. Lah. I mean, they are still my brother. Lah, but hey, this is no go, man. This, the court, church has called us to unity. But number two is a unity. Point number four, that, is, that celebrates diversity. It's not unity where everybody the same. Sometimes unity is ho- um, homogeneity. Everybody is the same. That's, that's one kind of unity because we're all exactly the same. And Paul is saying that it's not what, Paul, uh, what God had in mind. It's unity with diversity, which pastor and your worship leaders uh, also alluded earlier in the service. So the church is purposely diverse one. So how easy uh, if our church uh, were made up of people uh, just like me, easy to do things. But so diverse are you. Then Paul said, look at your body. Hey, hello, look at body. Hello. Uh, thumb, same as uh, eye, different. Uh, so this human body, again, is an example. Different parts are different. And so it's a body that is united but celebrates diversity. In the world, there's a kind of unity where your head come up, poop, chop off, so everybody the same. That's not the kind of unity God has in mind, but it's a unity with diversity, which is more difficult. Huh? Unity with diversity. That means no one should say, I don't belong. So I ask you, as young and old people, when you come into this church, do you feel that this is a church that makes sense to you, that you belong or not? Because some churches, uh, the young would say, you no, know, now in the modern world, as I go out into the modern world, in my working place, I get bombarded by all sorts of diverse opinions about faith and ethics. All sorts, boom, boom, boom. I'm trying to follow Christ, but the world is so complicated now. 
and internet, everything is in your face all the time, diverse views. And I come to the church for help. No? So I, I really need, I want to follow Jesus in the work, workplace, but it's so diverse. I need, I need help. And the church said, ah, you just pray some more. Lah. You, you pray some more or read Bible. So the kind of responses we give to our young, we show we have no idea what kind of challenges they have. So I was telling the, the group of pastors, there's this girl who's trying to preach the gospel to her friends. And the friends said, hey, are you Christians? Are very anti-woman one. And you all go and hate LGBT. You all are religion of love and then you hate LGBT. So we can, cannot even come to the point of sharing the gospel. There's already this big cultural barrier. Liao. And I asked the group, do they know what, what is the age of this girl who can now whack? How old do you think? How old? Huh? 13? 13? Ah? How you know? You read the book already. Ah? No. <laughs> Just 13. In 13, I'm playing football. I got grapple with things like this one. And that shows we don't understand the world of our young. How difficult it is. And we don't give them real help. So the young will say, I want to follow Jesus, but the church doesn't seem to give me real help for the world I'm living in. They are working on old paradigms from last time, you know, pray more, read Bible, which is all very important, but no real answers to my day-to-day -day existential challenges. Oh, my day-to-day -day challenge. Then the seniors also, sometimes, do you feel at home in this church? No, now it seems as though that if I don't know the latest technology, I don't count anymore. Again, we always share this story of organizing a church camp, and then they ask, uh, people to sign up for the church camp. So one senior member called up the office and said, no, we, I want to sign up for the church camp. Don't worry, auntie, we will sign up for you. Then how about payment? Ah, you pay now. Pay now. Say, what? You want me to come to the church office and pay now? Ah? I'll take the bus and go down and pay now. Ah? If you say pay later, even more confusing. But, uh, but at the back of my mind, we shouldn't be laughing, right? I know of many seniors I talk to who are brilliant people but who are so scared of technology. Remember last time, I, my first computer, I scared, press wrong button, the computer explodes. They said that now, because uh, I'm older, people don't really consult me anymore. They think that I am not in touch with life today. Um, they, the young people look at me, they walk, they, look, they walk past me as though that I have nothing to contribute to the life of the church. No. So, I'm not saying we make everybody happy, but can we have a church that makes sense to all generations? Young and old come into Maranatha, yeah, this is my family. It makes sense to me, whether you are young or old. So it's not a zero-sum game. Huh? It's not we aim for one group and neglect another group, but every group. And often in a church camp, uh, I would ask uh, one representative of each age group to share their major challenge. So one rep from each of the five generations. So the... In the recent church camp, a silent generation gentleman stood up and said, I'm, I'm very frightened because my memory is failing. I'm frightened that I've forgotten things. What the young people all got, oh, wow, I didn't know that, man. A boomer came up and said, I'm going through a lot of grief. My friends are beginning to die, die off and I'm no longer working. I, I retired, it wasn't sack or what, but still I miss my role as a chairman or teacher or whatever. So the boomers are grappling with grief, huh? at the time when there are many transitions. Then the young people, the 13-year-old, talk about how she can have all these challenges trying to share the gospel. The old people, what well, we didn't know. You know, we must have some degree of knowledge so we can empathize with the different generations. Look at the people around you. Do you know where they are hurting or not? 
Let's get some, but the problem is the church. La. On Sunday morning, we all put out our best face. La. So we don't know what's hurting inside. I'm sorry, we don't know. How are you? Fine. No? Praise the Lord. No? God is good. No? All the time. <laughs> so, but inside, I'm struggling with fear of losing memory. I'm struggling with grief. I've been overwhelmed in uni and college as I try to share the gospel and follow Christ. And the church don't seem to know how tough it is for me as a young person in today's world. So we can't solve all these problems overnight, but at least there's a sense of understanding each other's world so we can stand with each other. We may not have all the solutions, but at least I know your pain. So young and old, can we do that for, for each other? So my point is that actually we are different so that we can help each other. We have different strengths. Different generations got different strengths. So I can see that, for example, the young people have what? I say, got more learned expertise. They are so quick at absorbing new knowledge. That is their world, ma. Every day they learn new things, they learn new things. So they got more learned expertise. I can never catch up to my younger friends. They will always know more than me. Cannot catch up, one. But I would say that older folks will have more lived experience. Wow, we went through heartache, uh, disappointment, failure, fell into sin and came back. Or that. that one got no shortcut, one. You got to live a long time to come out of these things, huh? So we have more lived experience, they have more learned expertise. In God's will, shouldn't we help each other? Shouldn't we help each other? But that means we must be humble enough to consider others better than yourself. Paul say one. Otherwise the young say, oh, these old people, no, what, what do they know about today's world? No? Or the old people say, ah, we have lived so much longer. No? What do these people know? Can we throw this kind of thinking away? Uh? This is Pentecost. I bind this and throw it out. Bind this is wrong thinking, Leh. So I go to my younger friends and I'm mentoring some pastors in their 40s. I said, brother, teach me about today's world. I need to learn. I want to know about today's world. Please teach me. I really want to learn from them. And maybe I have something to contribute to them as well. So we walk together. I, I want this church. So every one of you, don't ever anyone think that they have nothing to contribute. This is not God's way of thinking. Sometimes you think only certain people are more important in church. This is not God's way of thinking, Leh. That's what pastor said just now. All of us are vital in this church. And in that sense, it's better that we are a smaller church. That can really, really hammer home. This huge mega church, they all will pay some professionals to do the ministry. Right, don't tell the big church. Huh? I, won't get, I won't get invited out of the big church. Uh, no, they have huge church, got money. They will pay for professionals to run the ministry. But a smaller church, everybody got to play their part. Eh? But I think that is, the, that is the biblical ideal. All of you are important, okay? Don't say I'm too young slash too old or whatever that I no longer count. This is not God's way of thinking. So when we go down the path of intergen, it means that we want to be a church that is committed to help everybody feel at home and help everybody find a place of ministry. There's no such thing as no one that is not important. You're too young or too old. This is not, let's throw this kind of thinking away. This is not God's way. Right? Think of yourself. You are important, okay? All of you, all of you are important. And we have gifts to, for each other. We're going to bring out those gifts. You know? So I think we are stronger together. Eh? Well, that sounds like a National Day slogan, but <laughs> we are stronger together. But my last point, we can only live like this if we truly love one another. So all these points are from 1 Corinthians 12. But the next chapter is 1 Corinthians 13. Eh? So Paul knows eh? it's not just theology or sociology. or what. We must really love each other. Do you love only your type of generation or do you love people in other generations? It's easy to just take, take care of your own turf. 
Wow, the church uh, never help old people. You know? They sing songs I don't know one. They made me stand for half an hour. I got arthritis. They made me stand for an hour. They asked me stand. I sit down. I cannot come out already. You know. And the young say, why the boomer and still controlling the church council and the, all these things? All they seems out of out of touch with the real world. But if you love each other, we won't say things like that, lah. So, brother, what is your area of struggle? How can I walk with you, sister? Where are you hurting, young or old? How how can we really walk with you? So I pray there be a revolution of love. That's the first point. It's not just intergen. Bo love intergen won't work. So I always say you AOG are so strong on Holy Spirit power. It's not just for signs and wonders. It's also the capacity to love people who are not like you. You want to tell me Holy Spirit is here? Ah, show me lah. Signs and wonders for sure. But also 1 Corinthians 13, the fruit of the Spirit is lovely. Do you really? So let me close by saying that sometimes it's not some big program. Sometimes it's, we start by just uh, sharing meals together. So now, hey, you all go for lunch. Huh? You normally go with your type of people or you all have mixed group for lunch. I'm just curious. All the young adults who go somewhere, usually more expensive. And the older people, oh, I'm kind of really go kopitiam. So maybe uh, once a month, uh, you invite people to come along which are not your gang one. Once a month, cannot? Once a month. Uh, instead of your usual clique, uh, you go and ask someone from another clique and then just enjoy their company, listen to their stories, where are they hurting, how can I pray for you? This one can do, right? So the Kopitiam gang and the richer gang can uh, invite someone from the other gang uh, once a month. Uh. Sometimes it's not a big thing. Uh. Sometimes it's just beginning by having conversations over a meal. So every Sunday night, tonight, my wife and I, we are, we are boomers. Our children are millennials in the 60s, 30s. We have a family meal every night, every Sunday night, where we just listen to each other and support each other. So sometimes it's a simple thing. Like it's not a big program. Or what. But we begin by this commitment that everyone is respected, consider others better than ourselves. I think this is the elephant in the room. We, we cannot not talk about intergen. Oh, by the way, there's an actual whole book on this Generations Project, which you can buy from my wife. Uh, and we need some money for Chinese New Year. Uh, this Generations Project, uh, I wish every church leader and every parent, or even every young person will buy one to understand. Because this is done uh, first-hand interviews with Singaporean Christians. Many books like Barna or that is American. This one is Singapore Christians of different generations and how they differ and how they view the faith. At the very least, we begin by understanding ourselves. Oh, no wonder I like that one. And then, oh, no wonder my children like that. Oh man, and now I know why my parents like that one. Uh, so that really is a lot of hard work went into this. I, I really think uh, this is a very helpful tool. Okay, let me finish and just close in prayer. Father, we don't want to take the easy way out. The easy way out, we just huddle with our own generation, we huddle with our own people. But we have treasures to give each other. We have treasures to give each other. If we are humble and willing to learn, we have so much treasure, young and old. We have so much treasure to give each other. And I pray, oh God, that you will give this burden to everyone in this church of whatever age group. I know it will not be easy, but if there is love, many things can happen. So, Lord, may there be a fresh renewal of love in Maranatha, uh, a love for people, a love for people who may be from a different generation and said, brother, sister, how can I walk with you? 
And may we show this to the world, a world which is so divided, they see a church of different generations who really love each other and they will be very curious. Hey, how you all do this? And then we will say, well, let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus holds us together. Lord, may this church, indeed may every church, but today I pray for Maranatha, will we be an intergen church where every generation is treasured, where all the generations help each other, Lord. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.